We've got some big news to tell you about from our partners at Conservative Review. Coming this December, it's CRTV, a brand new commercial-free digital network featuring Mark Levin, Michelle Malkin, and Mark Stein. You get all of this content anywhere you go, your laptop, tablet, cell phone, or even on Roku or Apple TV. And you can have all of this programming for a year for only $89 if you sign up before December 1st at CRTV.com. But to get that special price, you've got to use my name at the checkout, Dace. That's D-E-A-C-E. So go to CRTV.com and sign up today. Levin, Malkin, Stein, all for $89 a year. If you go to CRTV.com today and use the promo code DACE. It's time to end Obamacare now. For the past eight years, we have been suffering under President Obama's ridiculous policies. The worst of which... Obamacare. And you know why it's bad. It raised premiums, it decreased patient choice, and it made people even more dependent on government. But when President-elect Trump takes office on January 20th, we can finally repeal Obamacare. But there are liberals in D.C. who are conspiring to save it. And the only way we can stop them is if we get grassroots activists like you to stand up to them and pledge to help President-elect Trump repeal Obamacare on day one. So stand with President-elect Trump and go to www.repealobamacarenow.com. Get involved. Help repeal Obamacare. If you don't act now, we won't be able to make a difference. If you want lower premiums, better health care, we need to repeal Obamacare on day one. And that's why you need to go to www.repealobamacarenow.com. It's time to take advantage of this historic opportunity and see how freedom works. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, part two of our year-end edition of the Steve Day Show is now underway. Hopefully you enjoyed part one, which aired last night and will air again. In fact, some of you are probably listening to this for the first time on a replay while we're off for the holidays. This is part two, where we will finish our look at 2016. Uh, and it will include my predictions for the coming year, the 10 predictions I'm going to make for 2017. And we'll look back and see how I did in 2016. It's, it, it was an odd year for my predictions because I actually had one of the better years I've ever had. We'll also have this year's sign, the apocalypse is upon us, the best soundbite of the year. We'll clear out your feedback a little bit later on in the show as well. But we're going to begin with... The top 10 stories of 2016. Final seconds. It's over. It's over. Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cavaliers are NBA champions. From a title coming back to the city of Cleveland. This is going to be a tough play.
to a World Series win many thought they'd never live to see happen. To continued dominance by the U.S. Olympic team as they whipped the rest of the world in total medal count at the Rio Olympics to one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time in Peyton Manning winning a Super Bowl in his final game as a Denver Bronco to Villanova winning one of the most exciting NCAA basketball championship games in recent memory. Great team moments were had all around. And despite the sports media's continued push for the social justice warriorizing of athletics, 2016 is shaping up to be a year to remember in sports. Streaks broken and athletic greatness, number 10 on the top 10 stories of 2016. It really was an incredible year in terms of buzzer beaters. I mean, when you look at... As Aaron chronicled, the Super Bowl came down to the last play between the Panthers uh, and the Broncos and Peyton Manning going off into the sunset, a Super Bowl champion. Uh, really, this year as well was sort of this, the city of Cleveland's world and the rest of us were living in it. They were the political epicenter of this summer with the GOP convention and the drama there with the Free the Delegates movement. Uh, you, of course, had uh, what happened with uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers the month before in June where they broke the city's championship curse and... And you really just have to be a hater or a Golden State Warrior fan, and I can understand why you'd be disappointed. But the rest of us, the local boy comes back home to redeem himself and bring the cha- the championship starved city home, a trophy uh, like LeBron did. I don't know how you weren't rooting for that story. And then the Cubs to break the streak. Now, you guys remember, I did say during the World Series, when they went down 3-1, to one, this would be the way, this is how you, his- you usually see historical streaks broken in, in unfathomable ways like this. Remember when the Red Sox broke their curse in 04? They were down 3 nothing to the Yankees in a best of seven. Nobody had ever come back from that. They were down 3 nothing to the Yankees, and they were to their last strike in the bottom of the ninth inning with two outs with Mariano Rivera, probably the greatest closer of all time in the prime of his career on the mound. And they came through and then won the next three in a row, which is, is, is how the dam broke, and you saw the Cubs do the same thing Really just was an amazing year uh, in sports, no question about it. I didn't even talk about my favorite sport, college football, and there was still all that other uh, great stuff to talk about. Just the Cubs win alone probably could have held this spot at number 10. It's that big of a deal. But as uh, you're not a Olympic slappy, I am. This Olympics... I forgot about the Olympics and the, and the history Michael Phelps made well, in, in, in this year. Not only the best swimmer of all time... Perhaps the best track star of all time in Usain Bolt, yes, and the, the best uh, gymnast in um, uh, Simone uh, Biles. You're right. Um, it, it was human excellence on display beyond what is usually shown at the Olympics. That's a great, great point. So it was a, a celebration of meritocracy then, right? It's one of the few places of meritocracy we have left, but they're trying to get rid of that too. They are, and I, um, I go back to the Cubs. I, I appreciate athleticism but i also appreciate all the amazing family stories um the man who would go to listen to the cubs um at his father's graveside i mean it was it was a lot of touchy-feely number nine in february the united states lost one of the fiercest voices for the constitution that voice belonged to one antonin scalia and as a supreme court justice he just so happened to be one of the nine most powerful voices for public policy in the United States. In his dissent in the crucial Obergefell v. Hodges Supreme Court ruling on gay marriage, Scalia said, 
Today's decree says that my ruler and the ruler of 320 million Americans coast to coast is a majority of the nine lawyers on the Supreme Court. This practice of constitutional revision by an unelected committee of nine, always accompanied by the extravagant praise of liberty, robs the people of the most important liberty they asserted in the Declaration of Independence. End quote. Now, compare that kind of fierce advocacy of God-given rights by Scalia to the death of one of the worst dictators this side of the Atlantic Ocean has ever known in Cuban communist dictator Fidel Castro. Castro's death was a reminder of the countless lives he was responsible for snuffing out as his regime came to power on the island nation. Deaths of a Friend and Foe of Liberty bookended the year and is number nine in the top ten stories of 2016. That is a great dichotomy. Guys, and I want our audience to know that each year this list is actually put together by the contributor team. I don't consult on it at all. In fact, I don't even know what your list is until we go on the air because I want to react to it in real time. That that was really well done. That the the, the just the dual glimpse there, the bookend glimpse there, of really the two philosophies at war in our age. It, with Scalia representing Kirkian Buckleyism or Buckleyan sort of rock ribbed conservatism, we're we're trying to conserve things. That's what makes him an that's what made him an originalist. He's trying to conserve the original vision of the country, versus versus Castro, who took Marxist progressivism to its most logical conclusions, and that's why you saw him being largely feted and glorified by many on the left and in our media when he passed away a couple of weeks ago. And just the, the dichotomy of those two ver- visions of culture. And you can see in, those, in, in, in what Aaron just said, these are not reconcilable views. They, they cannot share a nation. They can't share a neighborhood, probably. Uh, and so one of them's going to win, and one of them's going to lose, and it will likely be in our day and age. You're fond of saying, uh, this is the guy I want to be when I grow up. Antonin Scalia was one of those guys. The level of confidence he carried, not only in his writing, but in his public appearances, I mean, you could not best him. It was just impossible. And he always did it with a smile on his face while he, while he was gutting you. It was fantastic. Castro, this, this guy should just be... You know, dying and people on uh, they used to believe in his cause, thinking, "Boy, I can I can't believe we didn't do that." Unfortunately, what we're seeing is that uh, we, we've seen just the beginning in terms of Castro's worldview. He has all kinds of fawners alive and kicking, and many of them are very young. Well, Castro is a mass murderer, and are we surprised that our culture would you know elevate him, and very few people would actually know Scalia? Number eight. If Trump wins, how about bursting into tears and screaming for the next 45 minutes? Well, America is crying tonight. I'm not sure how much of America, but a very, very significant portion. And I mean literally crying. Everybody is crying and so upset. And it is the end of their world. 2016 was a very bad year for a very bad mainstream media. 2016 was a very good year for very fake news. The media created the Donald Trump phenomenon, giving him over $2 billion worth of coverage, as reported by the New York Times, and that was only during the primaries. This coverage set him up as, according to hacked emails from DNC staffers, the Pied Piper candidate. Maybe the candidate Hillary Clinton could most easily beat. Well, the left and seemingly the media got their wish. 
but it of course didn't turn out as they had anticipated. All the while, the public's confidence in the fourth estate took a major hit. According to Gallup, Americans who have a fair amount of trust in the media dropped to just 32% in 2016. Distrust in mainstream media further propagated the online and print phenomenon of fake news. Yellow journalism created to get clicks and therefore advertising revenues for its curators. Overall, 2016 was not a good year for the dissemination of truth. Bad media and fake news are number eight on the top ten stories of 2016. Wow. If that is number eight, then I I can't wait to see what the top three are, particularly because I know, Erzin, you consulted on this, right? I did. I'm surprised you didn't come in here like Yoko Ono. Number one, number one, number one, number one. <laughs> I'm surprised this wasn't one, two, three, four, and five, in fact. And we just came up with five other, five other stories to go along Aaron with Aaron will it. tell you I tried. <laughs> but but uh, this, you guys articulated so well what happened to the fourth estate. And, you know, there's the old Julius Caesar line, uh, reports of my demise have been greatly exaggerated. In this case, they are not. In this case, reports of the demise of the fourth estate have been confirmed, and everybody seems to be in on it, except for them. You're listening to Steve Dace. From the front lines of the battle for liberty, The Steve Day Show. Back here on part two of the year-end edition of The Steve Day Show, taking a look back at 2016 here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. We continue looking at the top ten stories of the year with number seven. Black Lives Matters reared its ugly, victimized head in 2016 once more as conflict between police and black people continued to be covered by the mainstream media in an ordinate amount of time. In August, protesters stormed, rioted, looted, and destroyed neighborhoods in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, after police shot and killed Silville Smith. In September, more protests and rioting flooded the streets of Charlotte, North Carolina, after another police-involved shooting in that area. Those are just two of the most apparent incidences of racial tension in the United States. Another year, and it's apparent Black Lives Matters is sticking around. Black Lives Matters and racial tensions our number seven on the top ten stories of 2016. I think what remains to be seen, and I and I, I think you guys did a good, I don't know if this was intentional, did you put these two back to back? Because I, I don't think the full ramifications of either one of the last two stories are known yet. Meaning that I, I think the bitter harvest of of this field is still to be fully uh, realized. That the seed has been planted, the, the, the soil has been tilled, and, and now we are about to see in the coming year, in the years to come, we're going to see the harvest that is brought forth. Because what we've seen happen, and, and this is tough, it's tough for human nature not to do this. Human nature has a tendency to take a look at the rancid, soiled, nasty, putrid bathwater, and for a long time, explain it away. 
ignore it uh, rather than take the initiative to do what it takes to clean up the mess, right? We'll look at it. We'll ignore it. We'll rationalize it. Well, it's not as dirty as it was, yada, yada, yada. Until the point comes when we can't rationalize it anymore. And then we will swing all the way from denial to um, essentially uh, a tantrum, from denial to an outburst. And, and instead of just draining the tub, scouring it and cleaning it up and then refilling it with clean water, we'll, get, we'll, we'll throw the baby out with the bathwater. And how that relates to these last two stories, guys and gals, is we're in a position now where there is no truth in our media anymore at all that anybody believes. I mean, basic facts now aren't accepted. They're just if, if they're the facts I don't want to hear, they're fake news. Or if I if I don't agree with the source, you know, if, if the source, if the source of those facts, even though I could verify them independently, but if the source of them is somebody I disagree with, then I don't have to accept with the, the objective truth of what they are stating. And then there's this on the on the racial angle, that now there's just there there is no racial problem in America existent at all because of all the fake victimology peddled by cultural Marxists. And and I know we almost can't avoid it as a spe- as a species Kim but at some point someone has to be an adult and say listen the opposite of of tyranny is not anarchy okay the opposite of truth uh is 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 not or the opposite of lies is not moral relativism or postmodernism these are yin and yangs they're two sides of the same coin and there has to be some distinctions drawn between these two false choices right and you know Given the fact that the the new word this year is post truth, right? How do we how do we combat that? And and then you have the uh, the media problem that we have. This is primarily a spiritual issue. Preach. And uh, until we get that right, we're going to continue to reap this result. About a hundred years ago, now there were two black men named Booker T. Washington and W. B. Du Bois debating how best to lift up. Uh, black America post-slavery. Booker T. Washington was bottom-up, uh, create a, a solid working class to cre- and then build up, create the next generation of leaders from that. Uh, w. Du Bois was top-down, get that the elite class first and then have the seeds planted to go out more broadly. Both of them together would be standing together. Uh, they're both rolling over in their grave because now you get the leadership classes, hucksters like Sharpton, the the, uh, the uh, lower class they're in, you know they're they're not marching into the suburbs to burn those buildings they're burning down their own buildings it is chaos and it is deeply sad number six ISIS continued to be a major national and international story in 2016 as the terrorist group continued its push to build a new Islamic empire in the Middle East and spread its deadly influence across the globe. Nowhere has the brutality of this group been more evident than in Syria, where the fight between rebels, the Syrian government, and ISIS has taken out over 100,000 people and continued a refugee crisis that is years in the making. Across the rest of the Middle East, ISIS wreaked havoc especially in Iraq. The United States had seen relative peace in terms of ISIS-inspired attacks until Omar Mateen attacked and killed 49 people at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando earlier this year. 
Later in the year, a student at Ohio State University, Abdul Latan, attempted to take the lives of his classmates at the edge of a knife, but was killed by a police officer before he was able to do so. It was later revealed that he was also inspired by ISIS. Another year, and it becomes even more clear that ISIS is not going away soon. It's number six on the top ten stories of 2016. I think one of the things that's going to be settled where Islamic State in radical Islam in general is concerned, and one of the things we're going to learn quickly in this new year when we have the transition to a President Trump, is how much, how much does shaping the rhetorical and philosophical battlefield with the use of the bully pulpit alter the perception of, of this battle and the effectiveness of the other side? Because... Whatever you may think about Trump or not, I don't think anybody doubts that he's going to call these knuckle-draggers exactly what they are from day one, the five seconds after he takes the oath of office. We all agree on that? Right. Right? So we have not had that, right? We're not going to hear they're misunderstood. We're not, you know, we're not going to hear. Now, now he's got a bunch of progressive, he just put in a progressive Marie Harf type of Secretary of State nominee. But when Trump speaks, I think we all know he's going to use some really stark words to define what this ideology is and who these people are. How much is that going to alter the landscape of, of, of the war against this ideology? How much will calling it what it calling evil what it is? How much of that will 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 help to instill a level of effectiveness if there's more moral certainty behind your strategy? And then how much of it is that even if we do those things, you're, the genie's out of the bottle now with this particular ideology, and it, and it, and the the solution is probably far more cataclysmic, grave and consequential, then we just have to call the enemy what he is. I don't know that we know the answer to that, but I think we're going to get it probably this year, Todd. You're right. We don't know the answer to that. And clearly, over the last, ever since the war in Iraq, we've learned a lot about collateral damage, blowback. But this ISIS thing, it continues. My, my gut instinct, and this is a, an area where I know Kim and I uh, disagree in some way, but I, ISIS just reminds me, if we could go over there and find them and kill them now, it would be worthy, in my estimation, uh, the use of our force and our will. You know, I think of all of them so far, this is the one of greatest uncertainty for me. I don't know what's next on this one. We're going to find out, and it won't take long. You're listening to Steve Dace. class meet your worst nightmare i'm having these dreams but i'm scared steve days what child is this who lay to we continue now with the top 10 stories of 2016 as we march on with part two of the year in review the end of year edition of the steve day show here on the salem radio network powered by conservative review Number five, a Charlotte, North Carolina city ordinance which required businesses in that city to provide quote unquote gender neutral bathrooms sparked a national backlash, which included a law overturning the ordinance and in turn a crippling boycott of one of the nation's largest retail store chains. 
North Carolina House Bill 2 was created to counteract that city ordinance and simply prohibits local governments in North Carolina from forcing places of public accommodation to allow people to use restrooms and changing facilities that don't align with their biological sex. This sparked outrage from the Rainbow Jihad, caused Target to change its restroom policy to allow anyone to use any restroom, which in turn sparked a massive boycott that tanked Target's stock. Various professional and collegiate sporting championships were moved out of the state. Concerts were canceled, and President Obama wrote a letter to public school administrators across the country in which he championed so-called transgender rights. All this noise because some city councilors from Charlotte think it's totally awesome that some creepy dudes can use women's restrooms. America. $20 trillion in debt, the fourth estate has failed us, and now we can't get our bathrooms straight. No pun intended. Bathroom confusion is number five in the top ten stories of 2016. I want to make sure everybody understands about this story, because a spin you're going to hear a lot is that the reason Trump won North Carolina and Governor McCrory lost the state is Trump stayed away from this issue, and he, and he did. He took the coward's weight out. He took it out. He just ignored it. Or uh, he could have done what McCrory did, which was to champion the issue, and he lost. That's not an accurate narrative. The champion of this issue was actually originally Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest. He's the one that made this a national cause celeb. He's the one that took this to the national social conservative groups around the country to enlist them in this fight. And if you go back and follow this throughout the, the, the evolution of the story throughout the course of the year politically, there was a lot of tension in the summertime about whether Governor McCrory was actually going to support this effort, whether he'd even sign the bill into law. He might veto it, right? Because it was clear that because the reality is once you sign this into law, you can't halfway it. You are either going to champion this legislation or you're going to veto it. You're not going to be able to Republican squish legislation like this. You're, either, you're on the record one way or the other, and it's an election year. And most Republicans don't like to go on the record about the things we really care about. So there was, a lot of, there was a lot of tension and drama about whether McCrory would sign it into law. And then once he did, of course, now he's all in. But it was actually Lieutenant Governor Dan Forrest. This was his baby. He took up this fight. He won re-election by seven points on election night. Same night McCrory lost. So the real question that needs to be asked is not why Trump won North Carolina and McCrory lost. The real question is, how come the guy who originally picked this fight with the left, Dan Forrest, won the state by seven points, which is even more than Trump won it by? And his governor, who was the face of the issue afterwards, he lost. What else is going on in that state that Forrest was rewarded by the voters and McCrory was not? Number four. Hack, a word used many, many times in 2016. WikiLeaks led the way in the release of hacked emails from the Democratic National Committee, the Clinton campaign, and other factions on the left. More recently, these hacks have been openly blamed on Russia and Vladimir Putin, as investigations and allegations are cropping up as to their involvement in efforts to sway the election. Thousands of emails were leaked this year, many of which contained prima facie and actual evidence of collusion between the Democratic Party and the media, among other nefarious and ethically bad behavior of those involved. Whatever part Russia had in it, hacks and leaks were a huge story this year, and it's number four in our top ten stories of 2016. There's a few of these guys that I, I think are pretty solid bets to appear on this list again 12 months from now in some way, shape, or form. I think the media one will appear on this list in some way, shape, or form. We all agree on that, probably. Yes. yes. I think the Islamic State one will appear on this list in some way, shape, or form 12 yep. months from now. So will this one. I think this is going to be particularly the first half of this year. 
I think this is going to be a running theme between between Russia and the United States. Whether there's something there or not, the fact that Trump remains resolute in being a Putin fanboy eggs people on to continue chasing this story. Kim? They will continue to chase this story. But, I, you know, when I have someone like um, Edward Snowden or, you know, Julian Assad, and they're saying, wait, this is whistleblowers, this is not Russia hacked, I'm starting to believe them more than I actually believe the media who um, and John McCain, who's all about this. So it will continue. And be careful of your rooting interest. This is like living in a neighborhood where a guy Agreed. you hate just got their Assange, house yeah. Assange robbed. Assange is, is, is perhaps a rapist. Yeah. Yeah. WikiLeaks was, is started and began as an anti-Western, anti-American enterprise. Doesn't mean, by the way, that what they're saying is factually wrong. That's where I'm at. All I'm saying is, though, you need to consider the context of who are, who's actually doing the saying. That's right. all. More in a moment. You're listening to Steve Dace. The Sleeping Giants Alarm Clock, Steve Dace. Back here on the year-end edition of the Steve Day Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. We continue here on part two with the top ten stories of 2016 and number three. Something was in the air this year as even the Europeans got into the shirking the mainstream thought business. For over 40 years, Britain has been a member of the European Union in one form or another, but with the rising threat of economic collapse in multiple EU countries, the continued stream of refugees from the Middle East, and a general sentiment from the British that they were already pulling more than their fair share of weight in the EU, a referendum was had to determine if Great Britain should remain a part of the European Union. The media and the parliament-controlling Tory party were strongly in favor of staying a part of the Union. The people of Britain, however, were not. And on an historic night in June, Britain sent the unprecedented message that they were exiting the European Union, sending a shot across the bow of progressives across the globe. Brexit is number three in the top ten stories of 2016. This was, uh, I mean, the earth moved. We were on the air that night when, when this vote was being counted. And people were shocked at the result of our election. Because mainly the, the analysis out there and the data indicated it wasn't going to happen. But aside from, you know, uh, aside from whatever percentage of the population are true blue dyed in the wool Marxist progressives, a lot of Americans didn't get up the next day and think there'd been some tectonic shift. You know what I'm trying to say? But when this went down that night, right, there was a sense that the world is different today than it was yesterday. Now, and I'm teasing something we kind of addressed a little bit last night. I'll go into more detail when we do our predictions, crystal ball predictions for next year, next hour. But I promise you, Marxist progressives never give up. They never accept the will of the people. They only accept the will of what they believe is correct at all times. They will bide their time thinking that this is the temporary tantrum, you're just throwing a fit, you really don't mean this. To follow through on this 
is going to take much more resolve from the people of the U.K. than it took for them just to go in and vote in a parliamentary election one time, one night last summer. They're going to have to dog their politicians to follow through on this. Otherwise, they will not. Number two. On March 2, 2015, Hillary Clinton's use of a private email address became public knowledge for the first time after the New York Times revealed that her aides didn't take steps to preserve her emails on government servers as mandated by federal regulations that potentially endangered national security and American lives. After more than a year of Clinton being rightfully grilled about her email usage, on July 5th of this year, FBI Director James Comey said in a news conference that Clinton was, quote-unquote, extremely careless, but advised the Justice Department against bringing charges due to a lack of evidence to show that Clinton intentionally mishandled classified information. Case closed. Not at all. On October 28th of this year, just days before the election, James Comey again announced to Congress in a letter that he and the FBI were reopening the Clinton email investigation based on new evidence that had been brought to light. Although the case was supposedly closed again before the election, this instance of malfeasance by Hillary Clinton may have been her political undoing as she could never fully shake the email mistake. Hillary's emails are number two in the top ten stories of 2016. You guys were exactly right to put this in the top three. I mean, I, I you know, last night in part one of our uh, your look or, or retrospective, Kim, I had this as the most decisive political moment of the year. I mean, this is the reason why she's not the president of these United States right now. Absolutely, and and I agree with you. That's who I. That's what I had for the most. Um, well, other than the fact the, the inauguration is not until January, but you know what I was trying to say. Exactly. Yes. Even if she had won, she wouldn't be the president now. But you know, I'm, I know I'm going to get that email, so I'm just correcting the record. But this is the reason why she didn't shatter the so-called glass ceiling top. And it's not because there was really ever huge smoking gun. We still never really got to that point. But what people what drives them nuts is that it's so patently obvious that she does not think the, the rules apply yes. to her. Yeah, it's the it woman, doesn't who, apply it's the woman to who lies to, 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 to despondent family members that their kids were killed in Benghazi because of a video, who goes on national TV and says, no, my husband, my husband didn't hit it with all these bimbos. This is all a right-wing conspiracy. That's, this has been a quarter-century MO, and this story reinforced it. It does. And then the, you think of all the people that are actually serving time because of so-called mishandling classified information. And so Hillary right? finally found out the true answer to what difference does, does it, it make, make anyway? You lose. That's what difference it makes. Let's find out what difference you guys rated the number one story of 2016 made. Donald Trump beat them all. He beat his primary opponents, he used the media to his advantage, and then when it turned on him, he beat the media at its own game. He beat Hillary Clinton, and he caused the left to show their true colors in the meantime. Trump was nothing, if not unconventional, before he announced his run for president back in June of 2015. And the billionaire businessman turned president-elect turned it up to 11 en route to turning himself into one of the most shocking political developments in modern times. The time for promises, however, is now over, and we should know pretty quickly if Trump really will be even half of what he was made out to be over the course of the last year, for better or for worse. Donald Trump is the number one story of 2016. I don't know how he could not be number one. I don't know how. Uh, and what'll be, it, there's little doubt that the way we've done things is going to change dramatically. What I think there's a lot of doubt about is whether what we're actually going to do 
has changed all that much. You guys see what I'm trying to say, Todd? Yes. How we carry ourselves is going to change a lot. But what we're carrying around uh, among ourselves, I don't know that that will change. And, and, and you get a mixed bag looking at his cabinet picks along those lines. Yeah, I am going to move forward in every conversation I have with everybody who labels themselves a Republican, a conservative, etc., with a degree of skepticism I've never had before. Uh, we have no alliances we can count on anymore. The, the playing field is almost uh, entirely new in that regard. And I still wake up every day. I don't think there's a day that hasn't passed for months where I haven't said, I can't believe this is happening. It's all confusion. It's a land of confusion, Phil Collins, indeed. You guys did a great, great job on those top ten stories of the year. But in fairness to the year, it gave you a lot of material to work with. Next year will be a much bigger challenge. More in a moment. Listening to Steve Dace. He's got his finger on the button of truth. Put the finger down. It's Steve Dace. Back here on the Steve Day Show, powered by Conservative Review on the Salem Radio Network. You know, we've had an ugly political year. And that means the word refugee, for so many now, has a negative connotation. And and we understand uh, what happens when you don't vet people properly. You import them into your culture. We're seeing what's happening in Europe as an example. But that doesn't mean there's still not uh, really a humanitarian crisis happening throughout the Middle East. And that's why... This Christmas, we are partnering with Heart for Lebanon. We, we want to take the gospel to those innocent children caught in the crosshairs of terrorism and being ravaged by war right there where they live. We want to take the gospel to them. We want to take it right to children like Manny. Like so many children, violence was all Manny and his brother have ever known. The war in Syria forced his family to flee Lebanon, but for Manny, the war that was going on inside his home was even worse. Denise, the director at Heart for Lebanon's Beirut Hope Center, explains. He was crying, he was bleeding, and he told me that he's been crying. It was wintertime, it was raining. His shoes had a hole, and he didn't want his feet to get wet, so he kept on crying, and his dad was like, we can't, you know, you have to wear the shoes, go wear it. And he didn't want to wear it, and they want to wear it. And finally, his dad lost it. But he couldn't control himself, so he kept on hitting him until he was bleeding and was sent to school. The abuse that Manny was receiving from the hand of his own father, coupled with all that this little boy had experienced in Syria, turned him into one of the most aggressive students we've ever seen at the Hope Center. When he threatened other students with a knife on the playground, Denise was faced with the difficult decision to remove him from our school. But Heart for Lebanon went into action, reaching out in God's love to Manny and his family. The change in their lives has been remarkable. The abuse at home has stopped, and Manny, once an aggressive, mean-spirited young boy, is learning the violin, his life transformed by the gospel. Not only he became not aggressive, not only he's becoming, he's volunteering in our children's program with his brother, giving so much love and care to children 
that are in our centers. Your gift of $98 will help Heart for Lebanon bring the gospel to 18 refugee kids just like Manny. Be a part of rescuing these children for Christ before someone else captures them for evil. Please give now and thank you for being as generous as you can. I've never thought I will be able to come to Lebanon and learn violin. I thank the Lord for that. Your one-time gift of $98 is going to reach 18 children like Manny with the gospel. Call now, 844-441-9966, 844-441-9966, or you can click on the banner on my website at stevedace.com. Listening to Steve Dace. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Government should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker, that is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And we are back with hour two of part two of our year in review show. To close out 2016 here on the Steve Dace Show on the Salem Radio Network. Powered by Conservative Review. If you are a loyal listener to the show, normally this is a one-night affair, but the show got bigger than ever this year, so the end-of-year show will do as well. A two-parter. If you missed last night, get the podcast off our website at stevedace.com if you missed part one. Or you can just hang around here during the holidays. That'll be one of the best ofs that we will play for you while we are on vacation, as will tonight's part two as well. So... It's time to take a look ahead. We just spent the first hour going over the top 10 stories of 2016. We now peer annually into my crystal ball, where I go out on a limb. I predict 10 big news stories I believe will happen in the coming year. I usually get two or three of these right, which is actually pretty good, considering how unpredictable the future actually is. I'll usually get two or three right, come close on maybe one or two others, and then I'm going to be like way off on the rest. To prove that point... Let's look back at the predictions I made in 2016, 12 months ago, what I thought would happen this year. You guys ready? So we're going to, you guys are going to judge this nerdy nummy style. Zoe and I watch a lot of nerdy nummies uh, in the, uh, at at our house on YouTube. You guys ever watch that gal? Mm -hmm. Who, you know, who's this foodie who, who, and, and one of the things she does is like food challenges, right? You know, and so people write in, you know, and they get like 10, uh, indiscriminate ingredients and you and you pull a number and say pickles and you got to put them on your pizza and the next ingredient might be Hershey syrup right Oof. and so it, it and these are parts of the and, and it's really fun stuff to watch uh-huh. and, it's, and it's 10 minutes tops on YouTube harmless fun right well if she comes close in her challenge if she doesn't get the full answer if she comes close she gives herself a half point so you guys get to decide whether I get a full half or nothing for these predictions I made for this year 12 months ago. These are the predictions that I published at Conservative Review on December 21st, 2015. Kim's keeping score. She's going to write all this down. Got it going here. Number 10. 
The Arizona Cardinals will win the Super Bowl. I was close. They got to the NFC Championship game. But they did not win the Super Bowl. Is that a zero? Do I get a half for being close? The, a zero. They got smoked yeah. in the NFC zero. Championship game. Yeah, they, they got beat pretty bad by Carolina. All right, number nine. Captain America Civil War will be the top grossing movie of the year. I was very close on this. At the last minute, Finding Dory edged it out for number one. But this ended up actually being the number two movie of 2016. I I say you get a full point. If you're willing to, at the outset, fly in the face of a cartoon movie like that, um, I mean, that's almost a definite, and you were willing to go with it anyways. You get a one. I, I shouldn't get a one if I got it wrong. No way. But I should get, get some credit one. for being close What's on this up with Urs and being all forgiving and right? stuff? Right? What was that? I already, especially because I gave him his Christmas bonus before we started this tonight. So he didn't have to. He doesn't have to do this to get one, right? <laughs> Mister. And by the way, tell Bob Cratchit over here he can throw another coal in the stove, too, while he's at it, right? <laughs> but I should at least. I, I think a half a is half fair because I'm close. Yes. All right. So a there's a half. All right. Number eight. And when you read the descriptions that I that I that I laid out at the time we did this on the air, I meant this in a criminal context, not a political one. Absolutely nothing will come from the investigation into Hillary's emails. I was one. exactly right about that. Yeah, you get a full one. On that All right, one. so that's one and a half. Okay. Number seven, Islamic State will pull off its first successful attack on U.S. soil. Are we going to count the nightclub attack? This winter? I think officially. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, or if if, it, if was, it wasn't them, it was at least inspired. This is a half pointer, do you think? Yeah, it was inspired. I, I think you I think you have to get a full point on that one because that's, I mean, in 2016, that's, uh, I mean, that's. Some, I know. Cra- Cra- oh. Cratchit is now looking rather Scrooge no over way. here. Like, he likes it. Like, oh, Urson doesn't want to give me any credit for this There's now. more than one, even, I, that happened. I'd give you zero, but not only because we're, we're so lucky it hasn't happened yet. I mean, these are people inspired by ISIS. They are lone wolves, but I, 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 we haven't seen ISIS really go to town here yet. Thank God I'm giving you a zero. All right, so Erzin says zero. What do you two say? I say, I say one. 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 All right, so I get a full point. So that's two and a half. Oh, that's how we'll do it. We'll let you guys vote because there's an odd number of you, mm-hmm. right? So that's how we'll do it. So I'm at two and a half so far. That's pretty good because we haven't gotten to my election predictions yet. Our number six. I'm sorry. Is this on? <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> number six. Texas Senator Ted Cruz will be the GOP nominee. Number five. Ooh. Oh, I think we got that one wrong. Yeah, that, that, we're, we're a tad off on that. Are there think? negative integers? Can we go backwards? <laughs> do, I, do I lose points? You do lose points. Number five. Donald Trump will not run third party, nor will anybody else that's significant. That's, yeah, that's right. right. Yeah. I was right on that. All yeah. right. So we're at three and a half. That's pretty good, actually. Just the ones I'm wrong on. I'm like not even in the same. I'm not even in the same. Listen, I, the ones I'm wrong on are from the Delta Quadrant, and we're in the Alpha Quadrant. I'm like not even in the same quadrant. The words on Gary Johnson and Jill Stein's tombstone, not, not significant. As my <laughs> advisor in college said, if you're going to fail, fail magnificent. Well, I'm so. about to mag- I've, I magnificently fail a few times here. Number four, South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley will be Ted Cruz's running mate. That's a zero. That's yeah, a, a zilcher. That's yeah. I'll give you a half point because she's in the administration. No, because Carly was. No. Oh, because no. I got the same. No. Kim, yes. you insulted by that at all? Because I got the same oh gender. Oh my gosh! <laughs> look at I'm never, interchangeable. I've what never the seen heck, her look man? at me with that level of disgust. All you women before. look alike. What? For goodness' sake! Wow. <laughs> 
Did your professor also tell you if you're going to be a misogynist, then just go spectacular with it? Did he tell you that too? No. I'm trying to make your terrible picks interesting, for I God's know. sakes. Do you like how I called the guy with four daughters a misogynist? I Did you know. like that? Ma- a- and a Merry Christmas to you. He's a great guy. <laughs> Number three. This one, m- mad props to me, if I do say so myself. Remember, I wrote the, this is this was published December 21st last year. Number three, Virginia Senator Tim Kaine will be Hillary Clinton's running mate. Oh, that just wow. happened. Snap, as nice. my kids say when we're at home and they get it right. In fact, I'm throwing in a crackle and a pop on that one. And that's called nailing and it. And you you got to admit you were watching that VP debate and saying, I so wish I got this one wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so how many is that I've gotten right now? You have four and a half points. That's pretty good. good. That is pretty good. Number two. This is called nailing it, too. The Chicago Cubs will win the World Series. Again, I wrote those words on December 21st of last year. Spring training hadn't even started hadn't yet. Hadn't even started yet. I thought the pressure Free agency was gonna, wasn't yeah. even over yet. I thought the pressure was going to be too much. Nailed that. So that's five, five and, a, and half. a half. I would take that any year. Wouldn't you take that any year? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, Nostradamus would take that. And, and all 7,000 translations that just make up what he actually wrote to make it look like he's telling he, he knows the future would take that as well. Especially because, number one, no. I had Ted Cruz will be elected the 45th president of these United States. And I had that wrong. But what is interesting about this is I named the states that Cruz was going to win in the Electoral College. And I had him winning 278 to 260. So I wasn't even right about that. Even though I obviously got a lot of the states right. But since most of the states are decided before the election anyway you're really only judged on your ability to pick seven eight or nine ten states right so the final tally on my 2016 predictions five and a half points out of ten when you consider how unpredictable this year was how unconventional it was that I hate to say it, Han Solo, but Kim, sometimes I amaze even myself. <laughs> well, you know, if you hadn't been so heavily invested in Cruz, you would have had a couple more points on that. That's Well, there somewhere in there, I believe, was a backhanded compliment, and I felt it sting. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, it's well, you more. know, I mean, if you weren't such a fanboy, you probably would have done better looking at this record. I mean, but yeah, that's all right. We all got our crosses to bear, I guess. <laughs> it's more of a... Um, you know, look at what you're going to do for 2017 and kind of diversify your picks. Well, there, won't, there won't be anything I have a vested interest in going into 2017. <laughs> that's for sure. Todd, your thoughts on this prediction record? Well, where does this rank? I, d- I doubt we can go back a, into it, the I, archives. I, I, I keep a record of this. It's close to the best I've ever oh. done. I've, like six is like the best I've ever done. I've been doing this uh, about seven or eight years now. Uh, so this is, this, is, this is close to the best I've ever done. I was thinking the same thing as you were uh, getting close to four and then past four. It's five and a half, the total score. And that is, I mean, it does. It, it takes quite a bit of not only analysis, but knowing which uh, which spots to hit when doing these types of predictions. Not saying that you took any, any shortcuts, not saying that at all, but it, it does take some, some skill. What's the worst you've ever done? I've, there's been, there were a couple of years I got like one or two right. But typically I only will get two or three right, and then I'll be close on several others, right? And then maybe like one or two I'll miss. What's ironic about this year is this is close to the most I've ever gotten right, but the ones I got wrong were like, I mean, they, they were off a cliff. Yeah, they, yeah, they couldn't be more <laughs> wrong, right? So, what do I think is going to happen next year? 
The crystal ball will reveal all next. You're listening to Steve Dace. Liberty has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and not tried. This is Steve Dace. You better watch out. You better not cry. Better not and we continue I'm with part two why. of the year-end edition of the Steve Dace Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. So I've got a pretty good record from this past year of predictions I've got to live up to here in 2017. Are you guys ready? To gauge into the crystal ball. Now, just as I've, you guys did not share with me before the show tonight, the top 10 stories of the year, I have not shared these predictions with you because I want to hit you guys cold with these predictions. Are we ready? Ready. Let's rock. Number 10. The New England Patriots will win the Super Bowl. At the very least, we know they are getting there because whenever they tend to end up, they always end up in the Super Bowl when they've been busted for cheating, almost as if to say, yeah, we cheated, but we don't have to and let us prove it to you. I'm going to predict Tom Brady, who has just been on a tear since he returned from his suspension. Even by his standards, this has been incredible what he's doing. The Patriots win the Super Bowl. Gentlemen. See, I would have been, I would have been all in on that had the result on Monday night been different. Had they lost one more game and maybe lost, uh, lost the uh, number one overall seed and home field advantage, I think that would have given them just one more chip on their shoulder as it stands. I think they'll get there at least. I don't, know, I don't think they'll win it, though. No Gronk, no Super Bowl. Number nine, Star Wars Episode Eight will be the top grossing film of the year. But before you say, Steve, that's low-lying fruit. Have you seen the movies coming out next year? These are proven franchises are coming out with new films. Transformers, Guardians of the Galaxy, Spider-Man, Pirates of the Caribbean, Fast and Furious, Despicable Me, Thor, Alien, Lego, Cars. And I haven't even mentioned the expansion of the DC Universe yet to include Wonder Woman and the Justice League. Okay, so that is some stiff competition, but when you combine... The brand of Star Wars with the true return of Luke Skywalker to the silver screen, I think that'll be too powerful and potent of a brand to top, Todd. You are right, but they better not come in with a C-plus like they did with Force Awakens. I've had enough with getting Star Wars wrong. Number eight, Barack Obama will pardon Hillary Clinton before leaving office. Kim. Pardon her for something that she didn't do wrong? I mean, what? how is he going to word that? Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah, I think you're going to get a score on that one. Number seven, either Russia, China, Iran, or North Korea will launch a military action to test President Trump's leadership in his first year. He talked tough during the election, but you also get the sense the world is shaking at its boots. Uh, it is pending presidency. Probably because he's a, he's a wild card. A lot of people don't know what he's going to do. And so they will launch some of one of them will launch an offensive military action to test his mettle, to see what precedent it will set. I can see that happening. I think that's a good call. And I think it's probably more likely uh, on China and um, in North Korea, probably most likely China was one of the countries. China. 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 Yes. Um, I, I don't think it'll be Russia. But, yeah, I could definitely see that happening, especially with China. I'm not sure they'll do it because they're going to test them but some of them might do it because they can count he's just going to stand by and let them go ahead and do what they want that's exactly why i put putin on the list because i think he thinks that 
Number six, there will be no substantive increase in deportations nor a single move made to, quote, build a wall. Oh, that's an easy one. Absolutely a winner on that one. I'm going to hand out the points now. You think that's a guarantee? Oh, guarantee. That's a guarantee. Yep. Kim's giving a guarantee. Todd? I felt the Todd of like nine months ago creep in while you're saying that and thinking, Steve, you most assuredly are wrong. And that Todd went away and I came back to Todd right now at the end of 2016 (laughs) and said, of course you are probably right. Our Erasmus has finally embraced total depravity. (laughs) Thank you, 2016. (laughs) Number five, Aaron, the Chicago Cubs will repeat as World Series champions. The pressure's off now. They broke the curse. They still have the youngest, most talented team. They've, and a lot of these guys are young, so they're not massively paid. Right. They can make a, they can, they'll find a closer at the deadline like they did on Chapman this time in order to shore up the bullpen. And I think with the pressure they, off now, they coast this year. They signed Wayne Davis, right? Did they? You're right. I forgot about that from the Royals. That's I right. Could, I forgot. I could absolutely see that happening, especially for the, uh, young and not overpaid at this point, because that seems like, and just from the casual observer that I am of MLB, it seems what sinks teams most is just this huge payroll on just one or two great guys. I think uh, I think you're onto something there. Number four, Ted Cruz will not finish the year as a U.S. senator. He will be, and this is no inside information. I always have to say that because everybody knows Ted and I are friends. This is no inside information. Just a prediction: by the end of the year, Cruz will be offered something in the executive branch. If it's not the Supreme Court, I don't think it will be, but something else, Solicitor General, something else that gives him a chance to make a difference other than pushing pencils and taking cloture votes in McConnell's Senate. I don't think he'll finish the year as a senator. Kim? Um, I can see that he wouldn't finish the year, but he would not go into the Trump cabinet or any anywhere in the executive branch. I think he would be more likely to be governor of Texas and kind of move towards that dynamic. I think... No, I, I think Trump is going to just like to watch Cruz there in a little. That's his version of a jail cell. That's a snowball. Cruz is in a snowball. He's kind of shakes it up every now yeah. and then. Aaron, number three, Reince Priebus won't last the year as Trump's chief of staff. And when you're when the campaign has three campaign leadership shakeups in one year, Corey Lewandowski, Paul Monafort, Kellyanne Conway, Bannon, David Bossy was the third one. That's probably a sign his chief of staffs better keep their resumes handy. Squishes do what? They squish. And Reince Priebus is the biggest squish who ever squished, in my opinion. <laughs> and he's on a team of uh, full, at least he's uh, the person who has the equal amount of power uh, next to him. Steve Bannon is, is not a squish in my eyes. So, yeah, I can see that happening. I'm handing out a point on that one for sure. I think that's already in Absolutely. the Absolutely. Number two, Ivanka Trump's political influence will prove to be overrated. If you just look at this past week, Trump followed up his daughter's climate change meeting shindig with global warming alarmist Al Gore by appointing the attorney general from Oklahoma that all the global warming groups hate as the head of the EPA. I think a lot of what's happening here is a rich guy from Manhattan. It's humoring his princess before he goes out there and does what he's going to do anyway. It's a tale as old as time. And that's what I think is largely happening here. Todd. She is smart, talented. I'm not saying she's not. No, no, I know you're not. I'm making your point. She is smart, talented, capable. I have no problem a father relying on his daughter for advice every once in a while. But there's no way a guy like Donald Trump is going to go down being teased for getting bossed around by his daughter. No way. No. No way. He'll give her some nanny state program pet project like, you know, early childhood, the real head start. Like, we'll start you in two years, at two years old with government program indoctrination. He'll give her something like that, Kim, to occupy her time. Okay, so the real 
thing that I'm looking at here is that, yes, she is a talented. Yes, she is, um, uh, you know, a great business person. Um, you can buy her dress at Macy's for $138. There it is. We there have to go under again tonight. Yes. But, you know, he's treating her like a political wife. She has not been elected to anything. So, you know, back off, Ivanka. Number one, there will be no Brexit. That is my number one prediction for this year. Look for the powers that be in the European Union to make sweeping concessions to the U.K., uh, they will do this, one, as a response to the populist wave that is sweeping all of the West right now, and also because they want to avoid what would be a crushing precedent if they were to actually leave. You still have a largely progressive parliament throughout all of the, Europe, the United Kingdom nations. They will then use those concessions as an excuse to bypass the will of the people and remain, thinking that this populist moment was like the libertarian moment from a few years ago, a temporary respite, but the people don't really mean it, that you guys really aren't going to hold them accountable and follow through. British media have already been talking up this soft Brexit, so I can see this, I can see this happening too. Not happening. More of the year in review next. You're listening to Steve Dace. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. The Steve Dace Show. Back again here on a special two-part edition of the Year in Review here on the Steve Day Show on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Part two continues with our favorite soundbite of the year, Aaron. Thank you, Steve. Uh, this entire season has been, uh, this election season has just been, I, I don't need to tell you, just really stressful. And, you know, the one point and the one thing that I think everyone needs, and I'm not ashamed to say this, and nor should I be as a follower of Christ, second to Jesus Christ, the one thing people need is perspective. And I think Jesus Christ is the only one who can give that perspective. And a guy named Ernie Johnson, just a couple of days after the election, dished out some awesome perspective. When this campaign season started, I, I felt like I'd been dealt a bad hand. Um, had these couple of choices. And there were trust issues with Hillary Clinton I couldn't get past. And there was this inflammatory rhetoric from Donald Trump, which to me was incomprehensible and indefensible. I couldn't vote for either one. For the first time in going to the polls for 42 years, I hit the write-in button. And I voted for John Kasich. And I left knowing that John Kasich wasn't going to win. But I left with a clear conscience because I hadn't settled. Number two, I'm hopeful. I watched the video today at CNN on what was going on at the White House with Donald Trump, President Obama. I was hopeful and I was encouraged that there will be a difference between the President Trump and the campaigning Trump. And I'm with these guys. We have to give them a chance. But here's the deal. I just hope that he's all in. In, uh, in fixing the wounds in this country and the divides that separate this country. And I want to be part of that, too. And for me to be part of it, I have to look in the mirror and I have to say, how am I going to be a better man? How am I going to be a better neighbor? How am I going to be a better citizen? How am I going to be a better American? How can I be a fountain and not a drain? 
And number three, I know you're not supposed to talk about politics and religion, but we're already talking about politics, and so I'm going to go the R direction, too. I never know from one election to the next who's going to be in the Oval Office, but I always know who's on the throne. And I'm on this earth because God created me, and that's who I answer to. I'm a Christian. I follow this guy named Jesus. You might have heard of him. And the greatest commandment he gave me was to love others. And scripture also tells us to pray for our leaders. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for Donald Trump. I'm going to pray for all those people right now who feel like they're on the outside looking in, who are afraid at this point. Pray for them too. In short, I'm praying for America. And I'm praying that one day we're going to look back and we're going to say, you know what? That Donald Trump presidency, that was all right. But I'm praying. For those of you who don't know, Ernie Johnson is a sportscaster for CBS Sports and Turner Broadcasting. And I thought that is just, there were, there were so many different opportunities to put, uh, put on the spot people who put their foot in their mouth. But I thought this one was worthy, definitely, of highlighting as the soundbite of the year. Agreed. Absolutely a worthwhile soundbite. And, and most years when we've done this, of course, we've picked out something that is snarky, snotty, um, funny. But this year provided a, a feast, a banquet of such material. To the point that it's a little bit like uh, you're 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 on the you're on the buddy the elf diet plan, you know that sounds great like on a cheat day, but eating you know uh, eating that for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, your 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 system's going to revolt against that and say, hey, give me some real food. What we just heard was one of the few examples this year offered up, guys, of real food, of solid food, of substance that. And this is the year that the snarky, the snotty, the gregarious, the ostentatious doesn't really merit standing out. That We were fed a steady diet of this for 12 months. What we weren't given a lot of, Todd, was that. Real, real moral nutrition that was lacking this year. And it, the reason it, it, it stands out so much is also the reason yesterday uh, I said that my most underrated of 2016 was God. We we need to really try him. I mean, really try him. Unlike the guy he voted for, which is unfortunately sullies it a little bit, John Kasich, who we just got done seeing, right. isn't trying him at all. So, it, You sure? Because he keeps telling us he's got a direct red phone, uh, I'm sure. bat, phone, bat sure. line to St. Peter. Dead certain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dead certain. All right, when we come back, we will have some snotty snarky and ridiculous this year's sign the apocalypse is upon us is next you're listening to steve dace free the free air while you still can. The Steve Day Show. Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy. Do you hear what I hear? Well, you may not want to hear what I hear in a few moments. As, as we continue with the year-end edition 
of the Steve Day Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. Part two rolls on before I head to the basement for the rest of the year and won't see you again until January. It is the worst of our worst, and this time it is really the worst of our worst. Like the worst, the worst we could possibly, the worst possible optics, the worst look, the worst behavior, and in a year of worsts. In a year where Aaron pointed out earlier here in our retrospective that he learned that it can always get worse in 2016, in a year when we learn this lesson minute by minute, hourly, daily, repeatedly, to come up with a worst of our worst in and of itself is a Herculean-esque chore. Therefore, who better to tackle this task than our very own producer Aaron with this year's sign, The Apocalypse is Upon Us. Thank you, Steve. And you know how sometimes the pressures of life can just become overbearing. And that happens even when it's not an election year. It's been discussed ad nauseum, the the liberal reaction to the election of Donald Trump. These people, liberals, though, have those same stressors, those same problems that even those of us on the right side of the aisle do in any given year. So I just want us, just for once, to put ourselves in their shoes for a moment. Specifically, imagine you're a white, upper-class, middle-aged to old woman living in Southern California. For one second. A gorgeous autumn day in the San Fernando Valley. All seems right with the world. But just beneath the surface, Donald Trump's selection of General Michael Flynn, there's a simmering tension and the sound of division. That's right single-aged, upper-class, or uh, middle-aged, upper-class white woman living in Southern California. You've been triggered by this entire year, this election. So what are you going to do? Eat caviar and drink champagne? Bah! No plebeian can understand the pain you're in. Should you take a hike up one of the beautiful mountains in California? Well, no, those dastardly deplorables who elected Donald Trump have ruined any sense of natural beauty in the world. Take a walk on the ocean shore? Well, of course not, because Donald Trump, we all know, is going to dump the whole world's waste into the o- ocean, so that's just not going to do anything. You could take a, a course on white privilege at UC Berkeley, but that's such a long drive. So what's a white, upper-class liberal woman like you to do? Studio City residents Louise and C.B. Harding found themselves feeling uneasy. For months before the election, I was, you know, feeling very distress well have no fear for the rock fairy is here louise began seeing social media posts about neighbors who were discovering beautifully hand-painted rocks on their doorsteps (laughs) delivered by a mysterious artist who's being called the rock fairy and one day no louise got a rock of her own my husband was here and he said there's a rock on our doorstep and i went well, he's been living with one for all this time, so he knows it when he sees it. It was like, it was just like a beacon of joy. And the rock fairy that's a gracious and probably androgynous god. Those beacons of joy have now been left on dozens of doorsteps in Studio City and Sherman Oaks. More than 65 in all, much to the delight of the recipients. There was my rock sitting on my front doorstep, and I just started screaming and jumping up and down. The rock fairy, the rock fairy. I started crying. I couldn't get the key into the door because I was I was just all teary and it was like 
I don't know why I was picked. Something about that oh, feeling of being chosen I seems think we to lift all know the spirits of picked. everyone visited by the rock fairy. And it was just such a surprise and such a delight. It, it was it was just wonderful. It made me feel really good. We don't believe in magic, but uh, maybe it, it there is magic. It's a rock. It is a rock who happens, the fairy, happens to like the NBC LA crew as well. After receiving my own gift from the rock fairy, I have to say... I get it. Our lives are connected not by what we can hold in our hands, but by what we all hold in our hearts. In Studio City, Angie Crouch, NBC4 News. The fact that human beings are now turning to bedazzled stones in a mysterious fairy for hope is this year's sign the apocalypse is upon us. We have officially returned to droglodyte status. I feel this urge to scream out. So I want you to know this, trees! Right? I mean, <laughs> it does seem that's appropriate. This, this, I can't add to it. I can't. I just, it's, it, it says, it says it all. I, I, it, it speaks for itself. Todd, I, I can't add to this. I, I, I would only, det- I would only take away from its full impact what we just heard. I would add only two things. I think, Aaron, the soundtrack to that segment should have been Year of the Cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and secondly, I'd like better. yes, I'd like to quote the great Emperor Palpatine, who once said, "Wipe them out, all of them." I just, my, my favorite part is when the woman talks about being uh, or feeling like she was chosen. It's like this this fairy is this anonymous fairy is just dropping these literally bedazzled rocks on these people's doorsteps. You're you're not being chosen for anything. They have Calvinism and rock worship, too. They believe the rock worshipers (laughs) have predestination. Yes. I was chosen. I was chosen for this rock. (laughs) No, something tells me that you chose it. This thing's had your name on it for quite some time. I think they needed to hear Ernie Johnson. Doesn't that say 2016, though? The people are just so so far gone that, yes, we're going to get extremely excited over rocks. Humor aside, this is what you meant yesterday, Steve, when the low information people need to go away. We can't function. No, this is this this stuff will end your your civilization. This stuff will. I mean, the the the, the, low, the low wattage brain power for something like this to become a thing. This is this is where if you want to know where do you come up with a nation that erodes its own institutions, borders, etc., so that it that that were, the things that were put in place to secure it from all enemies, foreign and domestic, what would cause those things to just erode? What would cause those things to be left uh, abandoned? Is this mindset here? Th- th- this is the worldview that you're looking at right here. This is the worldview that does it. This is the worldview that is mind numbed, that is driven by nothing other than a, a a sense and a constant desire for some form of affirmation, no matter how damnable. It may be. You're listening to Steve Dace. So what's yours? Resurrection. 
He's bringing back the American way. It's Steve Dace. What child is this who lay to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? Just as God gave us the greatest gift in Jesus that first Christmas, we have an opportunity to give our greatest Christmas gift this year when we can bring the gospel to a refugee child. Again, these are children. They are innocents. They are caught in the crosshairs of a humanitarian crisis, of, of, of war, of terrorism. And, and we can reach them right where they're at through our partners at Heart for Lebanon. We can reach children like Maley. Bombs explode. Fathers and brothers are lost to war or kidnapped. Mothers flee with their children to the nearest safe country. For many, that country is Lebanon. 52% of refugees in Lebanon are under the age of 18. This is an overwhelming number. Too many innocent eyes have witnessed horrible things done to their families and friends. The majority of these children have been in Lebanon for several years. They cannot attend local schools. However, they are eager to go back to the classroom and learn. Heart for Lebanon's Children at Risk Initiative is designed to meet their educational, emotional, and spiritual needs. This initiative has three hope centers that provide the much-needed education and love that these children are missing. The hope centers teach basic English, Arabic, and math, but more importantly, teach the love of Jesus Christ. For the first time, they are learning biblical character traits that help them live in community with others. Taking a child from a refugee camp to a classroom in a hope center provides a safe and loving environment where children can learn. After several months of being loved on and cared for, children respond by returning the love and looking forward to each day at the Hope Center. Many children have asked Jesus Christ to be their Savior and have become the light in the midst of darkness to the rest of their family, introducing them to Jesus Christ. For just $98, your one-time gift can reach 18 children just like Maley with the gospel. That's the best $98 you're ever going to spend. Call Heart for Lebanon right now, 844-441-9966. That's 844-441-9966. Or you can go to my website at stevedace.com. Click on the Heart for Lebanon banner right there on my website, D E A C E at stevedace.com. One more time, that number is 844 <laughs> You're listening to Steve Dace. You are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. 
our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And we've got one hour to go before we say goodbye to 2016. And I head to the basement until we turn to 2017. And I'm, I'm trying really hard not to be that see you next year guy at work. Trying real hard. Okay? Because everybody hates that guy. <laughs> see you next year. Hate that guy. He's so clever, though. I mean, I've never heard that. Yeah, five he times. like leaves on New Year's Eve. I'll see you next year. Yeah. <laughs> Not if I gouge your eyes out first, you won't. All right, Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. That's D E A C E. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. So as we come down the home stretch of our two part year in review, it's time to clean out the stevedace.com inbox. So I'm going to get through over the next 15 to 20 minutes here on the show, I'm going to get through as many of these as I can. And we'll let you guys react. All right? L.G. Myers in Texas says, My husband and I are deeply disappointed with our Christian leaders who have revealed themselves in too many cases to be hirelings, false prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing. We've pulled our support from their ministries. I'm still curious to see how God will use this election to show that he will not allow his children to worship sort of these sorts of false idols either on the left or the right. I see much irony in the results of this election. Those who voted for Obama have been most harmed by Obama's policies. I expect, and I hope this isn't true, but I expect it to be for Trump as well. Consequently, I am deeply concerned that there will be many hard lessons to learn the next four years for certain evangelicals and other Christians who adoringly voted for Trump. God is a jealous God. He will not share his glory with another. That's beautiful. You think it's beautiful? I do. Very well put. Um, I think he's absolutely right. It doesn't pull any punches. That's for sure. Dan in New York says, welcome back. I can listen to you again. I, too, was a crew supporter, only voted for Trump because of the Supreme Court. Well, we also have a bonus because now for the first time since 1928, the Republicans control the entire federal government. No more excuses. All that Congress and the Senate said they would do if we had the presidency, they better follow through with. Because unlike the Democrats, we will turn on our own. I will give Trump the chance to force Congress to implement all that he campaigned on, including his Supreme Court picks. Fair enough. Just don't hold your breath. That's right. Well, you guys are two for two with the optimism. Josh Fisher says, I was thinking about Trump's surprise shellacking of Clinton and how the polls were so wrong. The polls were not wrong. The pundits who analyzed what they meant were wrong. We talked about that last night. I just want to clarify that. Could it be because never Trump people and people hesitant to vote for Trump weren't showing support for Trump in certain polling, but when they were in the voting booth, they chose Trump because they couldn't stand the thought of Clinton? Um, I think that could be true in several of the individual uh, state contests, but um, you had 10,000 people voted in Maine that didn't vote for the president. 100,000 people voted in Michigan that didn't vote for the president. So, yeah, I do think some Republican voters came home, but I think a larger factor was her organizational superiority couldn't overcome the lack of enthusiasm for her candidacy. But, Todd, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about this, what, uh, 7 million fewer voters than Obama four years earlier? Isn't that period end of sentence? I mean, that she just... She, she suppressed her own voters. Yeah, whatever reason. I mean, you don't... that You, you failed to capitalize even yeah. closely... On the man who came before you, and and 
considering his level of popularity, those are coattails you needed. Yeah, this this whole conversation is, one, uh, making me think again that this was not so much a huge win for Trump, even though he did better than Mitt Romney did in 2012. This is not so much a huge win for Trump as it is just a total repudiation of Hillary Clinton. It's not a repudiation necessarily of Barack Obama, even though the big sticking point, of course, as we talked about before, is Obamacare. So the the second thing that this tells me, I'm not quite as bullish as Trump being reelected as some people, even though I know there's tons of historical precedent. But it just seems like the Democrats, especially with the next generation, just have uh, have a huge chance to um, to wipe up next time. If we want to go down that road, I don't think that Trump would even want to run again. It'll just be, you know, Pence. It'll be a Mike Pence pass off Todd is sitting there uh 2020 talk Dave Drake writes when I looked at Trump's first 100 days agenda there was nothing in there on the life issue why is that that is true when they put out their online guide for the first 100 days the life issue was not mentioned now we should add though that Trump has said in a couple of the the few public interviews that he's given in depth since the election he has been adamant about appointing pro-life justices so he has spoken to that but it is true that in, his, in the agenda they put out that they're going to focus on for the first 100 days, the life issue is not in there. Well, this is like the Republican Party platform in general. You, you, you're going to see if that just words on paper, if they have real backbone to them, based on this Supreme Court justice appointee. Or their national right to life candidates. <laughs> not pro-life. There we go. Sherry writes, one of the problems with trying to fix the division over this election is that everybody is at a different level of feeling of betrayal. I guess I've gotten angry at other conservatives who are so willing, who were so willing to go along, stay with the party, and try to change it from within when that's never worked. I was never Trump because at my age, I just can't do this another time. I no longer talk politics at church because it's anathema. Everyone is vote, almost everyone voted for Trump, and more than I'd like to admit it, we're not troubled by doing so. I'm going with a new party because it cannot fail me worse than the GOP has failed me most of my life. I came out from being a Democrat for this. No, the new party has to is, has to there has to be a new party that launches after the election. You guys call this winning? Not so much. Thoughts on Sherry's note? Oh, I feel you, Sherry. I totally get what you're saying. She, totally get that. She, along with that first writer, could you might want to vet them for being possible guest hosts in the future. They Absolutely, get it. you did. We have been betrayed. Scott Anderson says, you and others will be shocked to find out all your blather is for naught. Those of us that were working to pay the taxes were never polled, and therefore, you have your answer. Not only did Clinton lose, but this was a great embarrassment to Obama and the rest of those lying media folks. Everything in the USA has been slowly slipping away, and we know it. Trump is no angel, but at least he understands the frustrations of the American people, and that's why they voted for him by the millions. You sound like a guy who's been used, and there's millions of you. I mean, you, you won. won. You are Stop right. trying to you, justify you are, yourself. You are absolutely right that the, the losses inflicted on Hillary and company are very, very real. That does not necessarily equate to the fact that Donald Trump is you. The fact that you believe that, I, I can't. Be happy you won, but you can't honestly believe that garbage. This is, I mean, this is like, uh, this is proves what uh, has been said on this show multiple times, that it's not so much about just disagreeing with people 
uh, that they get mad at you. It's that you won't validate them. The fact that this person feels like they continually need to uh, explain or defend or justify why they voted for Trump, uh, I think it, again, just proves that this is more about validation than it is about some sort of disagreement. Larcy Connor says, I wanted to take a moment and thank your show for being a voice of reason. I'm a Christian woman who spent the first 12 years of my life being sexually, physically, and emotionally abused. When I saw Trump's video during the campaign, it felt like a slap in the face. And then to watch and listen to one Christian man after the next continue to laugh it off as locker room banter was extremely discouraging. I prayed that there would be people out there that would stand up for women of all political parties that have been poked, groped, and laughed at. When I turned on you guys' show during that controversy, it was like a breath of fresh air. Thanks for standing up and saying no more. That is not right. Those must be your favorite letters to get. And much need, you know, even when you are used to taking the bullets to, to hear people who whose individual lives are kind of hanging in the balance and you've said something to give them comfort, I mean, you must feel, I mean, like a million bucks when you get something like that. Because that's actually moving something. Uh, we, we've talked about so many times how this movement or what we thought was a movement just did a, a, a lot to sell books and to sell widgets and uh, sell out conferences. But when you hear feedback like that where it's actually moving something forward, uh, I would agree, Todd. That's That's got to make one feel feel pretty good. I know a lot of this now that the election is over is going to seem sort of trivial or played out to a lot of people. But the wounds of this election are still there. And they will manifest themselves in the new year if Trump disappoints people. Right now, a lot of people, including a lot of people who didn't vote for Trump, are some mixture of relief, euphoria, that Hillary Clinton and the Marxists are gone, at least for the time being. But that doesn't mean those wounds and those scars are gone with them. And they will reemerge in this new year. If the things that had so many people skeptical and hesitant about supporting Trump, if they rear their head once more in the next 12 months, you're going to see those scars and those wounds reemerge with a vengeance. If not, if he does a good job, then I think you'll see those things heal. You're listening to Steve Dace. Lock and load. This is Steve Dace. Back here, rolling down the final furlong here of the year-end edition, part two of the Steve Dace Show. Don't forget, if you missed part one, go grab the podcast at stevedace.com. But we are cleaning out the email inbox before we head out to the basement for the rest of this year. And then we'll see you next year. Hate that guy. This is from Caleb, who writes, How does our movement survive this election? When many of us, too many of us within it, damage their credibility for the likes of Trump. If there is a chance for our movement to survive, what do we do with one another? 
which people do we trust? Do we, uh, with, with certain people's credibility being damaged, different than other people who just lied? We are no longer the moral majority. We need each other. How can we swallow our differences now that this is over and attempt to unite behind shared values and principles? Especially when we can't stand all of the lies in the shilling for a political candidate that doesn't even represent our value system. That is from Caleb. I'm going to tackle this one first, and then I'll throw it open to you guys. Caleb, I think you answered your own question. We're going to have to unite behind shared values and principles. That's the answer. The reason why there was so much division over this election is because you know what this election was not about? Our shared values and principles. It was about a lot of things. It was about rejecting Marxist principles. It was about rejecting a duplicitous, feckless uh, fourth estate that had become essentially the sports information department for Marxists. It was about we can't afford a third term of Obama. It was about a lot of things. Some of them laudable, by the way, and good and noble. But what it was never about, and never was really about since Ted Cruz dropped out in May, and not because he's, he's the last Jedi, the last hope, Yoda, but because he was the last candidate left in the race that was actually speaking to our message, our values when he left. When he left, that was the last conduit we really had. The rest of this election really wasn't about our values and principles that much of conservatism has advocated and fought for all of my life, frankly. That's why there's division. Because when you remove the, the values and principles, Kim, what's left are tertiary concerns, secondary concerns, some of whom, by the way, are very important. But, but when you get into the tertiary, secondary areas, some of those are going to be more important to people than others. And then, of course, the personalities. I like this personality or I don't like this personality. And personalities are, you know, are like, are, are like uh, rectums. Everybody has one. And some people just see them differently. Certain personalities inspire other people, rub the same people with the same value system the wrong way, right? I get that. I have a certain kind of personality that certain people like, then certain people don't. And it's not necessarily because they, they agree with my values. There are plenty of people who have my values that can't stand my personality. And there are people who don't like my values at all that like it. I get that. When you have a certain personality, you're a lightning rod. And so because we were focused on secondary things, we were focused on personalities, and we weren't focused on our shared values and principles, that's where the division came from. Unity is only going to be found in this election by returning to those shared values and principles. But to do that, we're going to have to agree, I believe, on two things. One, Donald Trump doesn't define those principles. The principles have already been defined. And number two, his role and goal as president is to advance and and defend our shared values and principles. If we cannot agree on those two things, then I don't believe reunification is possible. Well, you know, you hit it right in the head when you said shared values. What are they? I mean, do people even know what what they're fighting for? Right. And then, you know, then I want to go local. I want to, you know, almost get to the point where um, our first thought is just kind of what Ernie Johnson said, be a better person, be a better neighbor, go local, start, um, get out of debt, um, you know, really run things at a limited government, um, at, a, at a local level, then your state level. That's my advice on that. Daniel Horowitz said something profound a couple days ago. He said, in order to win... You have to fight. And in order to fight, you have to believe. That's how values survive and thrive. So in the case of what's going on in Ohio right now with John Kasich, there is talk about overriding this veto. That has to happen if these are your values. So as that pertains to Trump, though, unfortunately, based on what we're seeing in our own uh, conversations and uh, and uh, national anecdotes, 
if Trump does go off the conservative reservation, how much do we really believe that he's going to be held accountable by, by Trump cult, by Mitch McConnell, by Reince Priebus? Come on. A.H. writes, I am a young person in college, so I don't tend to find a lot of social conservatives my age. I'm writing because I'm concerned about the culture. Trump's election may have been a response to the overbearing presence of political correctness, but the left seeks to double down. And the entertainment media seems to be the most impactful way to change culture. I'm a big comic book fan, but throughout the past few years, the medium has turned into a social justice warrior's paradise. Sales are down as a result, but they don't care. Characters like Iceman are now suddenly discovering they're gay. Thor is replaced by his ex-girlfriend, and Daredevil has an illegal alien sidekick. And of course, in these stories, all of the other heroes are accepting of it, dismissing any other feeling as bigoted and terrible. I've lost my escapism. Everywhere I go, the left seeks to jam their agenda down my throat. So I was wondering, what's the best way to fight back on this front? How do we keep this stuff out of shows I'd like to show my kids someday? Aaron, since you're roughly the same age as this young man, your thoughts on this? It's a hard, long slog. And maybe last year I would have said, for my generation, this is going to be what Roe v. Wade was to yours and maybe previous generations, Steve. Um, but at the rate that our, our culture is declining, the only way that you can fight back against this is to actually fight back against this. And this is as, um, as um, opportunities arise to influence those in your own sphere, whether that's using your own social media account or having conversations with your friends, don't be afraid. Okay, don't shrink away from actually standing on what you believe. Be bold. You might be violating their safe spaces. Heck, you might even tick them off to the point where they report you to uh, whatever governing body is at your school. But at this point, um, this, this, this is how you have to fight this because right now we don't have a huge national platform that we can do this on. We're, I know there are various uh, platforms in the works and, and growing right now, but as far as you go, you just have to be bold. That's the one thing. There's a line in the Man of Steel movie when Zod breaks in to try and overthrow the Kryptonian government. Um, and his laments are much like much of the left, uh, or some of the left. They're, the laments are legitimate. But the method by which he wants to fix them will just make the problems he's lamenting worse. And Jor-El, played by Russell Crowe, when, when he is asked by his old friend Zod to join his quote-unquote revolution... Jarrell says, I think there's a great line here. He says, I will honor the man you once were, Zod, and refuse. The source material for these, for these heroes and legends in our culture wasn't invented in 2013 or last year. What, this, it didn't originate with the social justice warrior scam. This source material, AH, is decades old. You don't have to participate in what they're doing to these legends now. They're soiling them now. It's like when, it's like when they tried to do the, the Last Temptation of Christ movie. Just don't, you know, that's not the only version of Christ being depicted in popular culture. Go find one that actually honors the source material. Show your children what it was about these legends that attracted them to you as a, when you were younger. The timelessness of their values. And introduce those things to your children and ignore this current sad chapter. Honor the legends they once were by refusing to participate in the soiled diapers they are now. You're listening to Steve Dace.
the front lines of the battle for liberty, the Steve Day Show. I want to close out our year-end edition by spending some time here towards the end discussing the real reason for the season. Who are we? Why do we do this? Who and what are we celebrating? I want to start by discussing Santa Claus. Who was St. Nicholas? You know, there has been a lot of, quote, real story of Santa Claus books and specials. But few of them investigate further than just looking up to see the parallels between Nicholas, the former Bishop of Myra, and the story of Santa Claus. But there is much more to this story. And we're going to share some of it with you here tonight. St. Nicholas lived from 270 to 343 A.D. And he was a dude. A dude. He was a valiant man. He fought prostitution, abortion, and poverty. Abortion has been around for a long time, folks, not just with Planned Parenthood. He attended one of the most famous events in the history of early Christianity. It was known as the Council of Nicaea. And this is where we received the Nicene Creed. This was a council called together to essentially preserve Christianity. It was being ripped apart at the seams by an infamous heretic who was essentially teaching that the God of the Old Testament is not the same as the God of the New Testament. He was trying to create a new religion. At this Council of Nicaea, St. Nicholas vigorously defended the Orthodox doctrine of the Trinity. That God is one, but within one is three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That it is the same God, both in the Old and the New. Um, And not only that, but Nicholas was so offended, so offended at this heretic, that at this conference, he rose up and he slugged him right in the jaw. That's a dude right there. He'd had enough. He tried to ar- they, he tried to argue this, reason this out, and when the when the emissary of the devil would not be heard, then he just showed him, I'll show you some Old Testament. You don't want to believe the Old Testament? I'll show you some. We're about to get all Levitical right here. And he laid him out right there. But how could he be a saint of the church, Steve? He hit some people, meek and mild Jesus. You don't you don't touch people. You don't lay on hands unless it's to, you know, start a soup kitchen or something. One of my favorite this is like my life verse in the book of Nehemiah when Nehemiah says, "And Lord, I beat these heretics." He mean he says people, but that's what he's talking about, these heretics. "I beat these heretics and I pulled out their beards. Remember what I did to these people for you." I can live by that. I can that 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 is some scripture I can live for. Sometimes you just got to break your foot off, whether it is the sulfur comes down at Sodom and Gomorrah or the heretic just will not be reasoned with. So you just got to plant one to shut him up. That's how that that's what a dude does, as opposed to so many of the flaccid church leaders uh, that we see here today. Nicholas is well is well attested. Nicholas also actively opposed prostitution. However, instead of just simply condemning the practice with a sermon, uh, he gave money to young women uh, in need to keep them from turning to prostitution to feed themselves. Again, this was Nicholas. Um, he was he was living out truth as opposed to uh, just uh, preaching at it. He is said to have thrown a bag of gold for each young woman through their window so that they could be married 
with a dowry. They'd have a dowry to marry themselves off instead of just selling their bodies. Nicholas fought against paganism, uh, which led to his persecution and imprisonment by those angered by his preaching against false idols. Uh, Furthermore, his opposition to paganism included working against a number of practices in the pagan world, including abortion. Uh, A search for Nicholas of Myra turns up adoption agencies, one after another, throughout the world that are named after him. This is the legacy from which Santa Claus comes. And yes, part of that St. Nicholas legacy is what he did and the kindness he showed and the charity he showed towards children, particularly those that were poor or orphaned. But it wasn't based on sentiment. I wanted to tell you the rest of this so that you would understand this wasn't based on some trite Hallmark Channel movie sentiment. It's a Christmas miracle. This time of year we'll pretend to be good people. It was based on the same inclination that led him to slug Arius, the heretic, in the mouth. And that was a love for truth and for the giver of all truth, in whom ultimately all truth is found. The reason for the season, what we celebrate this time of year, his love for Jesus Christ. More in a moment. Listening to Steve Dace. We're not saying that God is on our side. We're just trying to get on his. This is Steve Dace. More on the reason for the season. So who was the real St. Nicholas? We just talked about that. But I want to play some audio for you. I've, I've played this on the last show of the year for the last several years. And this was a local TV story in my hometown uh, what, about seven, eight, nine years ago now. And if, if you want to know who it is we are celebrating this time of year, why we exalt him, what he has done for us and continues to do, listen to this. One of the Iowans killed in that plane crash last month left behind an important message for his family, a message that they can take with them for the rest of their lives. It has been more than a month since the plane crash that claimed the lives of four employees from Two Rivers Marketing in Des Moines. While the accident was an unexpected blow to all the families, one of the men on board had started preparing for the end of his life months before. Channel 13's Mark Toshik reports. All my girlfriends in uh, high school, I can always remember telling me that uh, Eric's the perfect man. They'd say, you make me sick. He's the perfect man. Heather Jacobs was in grade school the first time she laid eyes on Eric. Their fathers worked together. So we were always at the company picnics, the company events together. And and I always asked my parents, are the the Jacobs going to be there? Because I wanted to see Eric. So I had a crush on him from elementary school. They never really got to know each other going to rival high schools in Waterloo. I was from East and he was from West. So he liked to say I was from the bad side of the tracks. But at age 16, they did meet. 
Typical high school sweethearts come and go with the seasons. Rarely do dates from senior prom make it all the way to a family picture. And they still say that to this day. They still say, you know, you always had the perfect man. They married while students at Iowa State. Same major, same classes. After graduation came the boys, four energetic sons. Baby number five is due in January. Looking at the family pictures, there's no reason to doubt this Ankeny family was very, very happy together. And it was supposed to be Eric's last business trip prior to the delivery. He wasn't going to fly anymore. The night of November 13th, Eric was with three fellow employees from Two Rivers Marketing in Des Moines on board a twin-engine Cessna that crashed into an Indiana farm field, killing everyone on board. I'm very grateful, and I do feel blessed to have had him in my life. The news was devastating, but with four boys and a baby on the way, Heather's first thought was not her personal grief. I need to make um, their life as normal as possible. Um, I, I feel like they've already lost one parent. They, they can't lose another to someone who just can't get out of bed or every day. <laughs> Suddenly, a single parent, Heather, was without Eric for the first time in 15 years, with four active kids and another just weeks away. But soon after her husband's death, she found help for the future from a very unexpected person. Hello, everybody. If you're watching this, something bad probably happened to me. Eric had left a message on a DVD Heather found in their fire safe at home on top of his will. As, as soon as I saw it, um, immediately a very vague memory came back to me. She recalled a night this summer when she awoke to Eric climbing back into bed. And he said, I had this terrible dream. I had a dream that I died at a young age. And um, I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit to create a video for you guys. And I remember saying, what? <laughs> and he said, don't worry about it. I love you. Don't worry about it. Just forget it. Forget And I did. I completely forgot. I had no memory whatsoever of that until I saw the DVD. I had all these instructions going through my mind on what I would say until my last day of dying. I don't know if this is God's way of saying record this. And it was divinely inspired. Or if I'm just paranoid or paranoid or what. So I wanted to record my thoughts while I had them. Um, I feel like something's going to happen to me. I, this is kind of weird that I'm even doing this, but I just feel very strongly about it. And he said, if something does happen to me, this is proof that the Holy Spirit was working through me tonight and that there is a plan. For 40 minutes, sitting at his computer's webcam in the kid's toy room, Eric, in the middle of the night, speaks about his faith, his hopes for his family, and gives personal messages to his kids, wife, relatives, and friends. says, you know, this is so hard for me, but then he, he, but he smiles and he even has humor in the video. And as he says, um, don't, don't feel sorry for me. Don't feel bad for me. I'm somewhere wonderful. Uh, be sad that I'm gone, but don't feel sorry for me because I'm, 
I'm happy where I'm at. I didn't want to leave you now, but it was my time. It's an unbelievably comforting message for his children, but Heather has yet to show the full tape to any of her sons until she gets the okay from her child's therapist. I do think the video is a very precious gift that we will always have, and an instruction that he has even for the boys in the video is something that will grow with them through time. After the loss of their father at such a young age, the Jacobs boys will rely on videotapes and pictures that most every 21st century family can now rely on, but they will also have their father's instruction about where he has gone. Instruction he started teaching them long before he made the DVD. They talk at least once a day, if not not more than that, about how um, Dad is in heaven and... um, it was something that Eric talked to them about all the time, uh, about how wonderful heaven is and how um, it's anything that you want it to be. It's it's a party. It's you know what, 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 you know whatever. It's it's eternity and it's wonderful and and I think he talked about it so much that they were comfortable with it in the sense of knowing that Dad's in a great place. And that guys, that's what it's all about right there. Todd, your thoughts. Well, that I was at the Des Moines Register for 12 years, and a, the colleague of mine who was a good friend actually wrote the Register version of that story. So even before it came out, he gave me the tape. I watched all 40, 45 minutes, and it's one of those lightning in a bottle. You, you you have a hard time believing you're, you're watching uh, what you're watching. Um, it, it seems impossible. Uh, but that's the great thing about God. He makes that which is impossible possible and will take us to places we can't go on our own. Aaron, first time you've seen that, your thoughts? It's just utterly powerful. You, like Todd said, you just can't really quite believe that that happened. You're listening to Steve Dace. When you're upsetting everyone, you know you're doing it right. You are human tennis elbow. You are a pizza burn on the roof of the world's mouth. It's Steve Dace. And this is it. You've made it through the end of another year. I know. I'm surprised too. The final few moments of 2016 here on the special two-part end-of-the-year edition of the Steve Day Show here on the Salem Radio Network, powered by Conservative Review. It is time to end it with some parting words and to ask the team here that makes this show possible, that helps me look mediocre every single night. It is time now to ask you what you learned by being here this year. And Todd, you may begin. I learned how genuinely grateful I truly am that at least part of my faith is real enough to to deal with what we confronted in 2016. I, 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 I ran the race, uh, and I finished with my uh, dignity intact. And when, it, to my eyes, so many didn't. There was, that, that was no sure thing. I, I could have sold out anywhere along the line, and I ultimately chose God 
over a charlatan uh, like Donald Trump. And I thank God for that. I do not single myself out as unique in that. I'm truly humbled that I s- sit there in that standing. And furthermore, I, had th- I have three lines. The excommunications must continue till morale improves. Uh, the status quo is the status quo until it isn't anymore. And journalism is magical and not at all broken, all of which I had developed before Trump had gained his momentum. And I can't believe how right all of them are. Those were three very prescient observations. Mm -hmm. Kim, what did you learn this year? You know, it continues even in in the midst of this uncertainty and chaos, which is um, the Donald Trump transition and, um, there's nothing to fear. God is still on the throne, and fear is not from God. Um, you know, and then I struggled last time with the year-end award on Most Honest, but I'm going to give that award to the Dace Group. You guys are amazing people of integrity, and it's been fun being a part of this with you. For me, uh, I learned that, that people are always, always, always going to let you down. And I know that sounds really, really depressing, uh, but there are seven billion people on this planet. He's single, ladies. <laughs> there are seven. No, but now you got the now. Now you're learning, my young Padawan. Now you're learning. Yeah, seven billion people on this planet, and they're all going to let you down if you make them your focus. There is one person who will never let you down, and that is Jesus Christ. So that is along the lines of what you were saying, Kim. This this is the perspective that all of us who claim to have faith in in Jesus Christ. This is the perspective that we always need to have. No man should be put or elevated to the position that really belongs for one person. People are always going to let you down, whether those are co-workers who have bad taste in music, Todd and Steve, or whether it's a, a politician. <laughs> People are going to let you down except for one. I learned this year I am grateful for all the hard work all of you guys did to make this show, whatever it is, for the past 12 months, and that we indeed did fool them again. John 3.17. You're listening to Steve Dace.